Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Um, morning, everybody. Great to be with you this morning. Um, this is actually the fourth time I've preached at King's, and what I realized the other day is that uh, three out of the four times I've been wearing leopard print. So I think, I, maybe we do a quick vote. Do we think this should become the uniform for the preachers at King's? Yeah? Yeah? I reckon so. Okay, so we'll put that into motion for next week. I don't know who's preaching next week, but uh, there we go. Um, so <laughs> uh, it's great to be with you guys this morning, as I said, and um, following on from the Go Global series we've been looking at over the past few weeks. Um, and I'm not, uh, this talk isn't officially part of that series, but um, I think hopefully it will follow on really well from some of the themes we've been looking at and thinking about. Um, and today what I'm going to be talking about, I think you can probably guess from my slide behind me, is I'm going to be looking at God's story, um, particularly thinking about caring for creation and why this is integral to our faith as Christians. So maybe you remember from school uh, that every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. I feel like that was drilled into us in English class. Um, I don't know what your favorite story is. Um, maybe it's a book that your parents read to you when you are a child, or a, a favorite book that you've read more recently, or a film. Um, but I think we probably all have a favorite story. Um, so one of mine is Pride and Prejudice, the classic Jane Austen. Do we have any Pride and Prejudice Jane Austen fans in the house? Yes, you guys are my people, it's classic. Also just to say, this is the ultimate TV adaption, not the film, so just the, uh, that's, just wanted to say that. Um, so yes, Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite stories. Um, and uh, I, I do have a confession to make, I do love period dramas. I actually stayed up until four o'clock in the morning the other night watching a series of uh, a period drama on TV, so that's my confession. Um, no judgment, guys, I think it was time well spent, personally. Um, so, yeah, Pride and Prejudice has all the ingredients of a great story. So it's got a great beginning with that iconic opening line that you might be familiar with that says, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Um, so from the off, we've already got a sense of where this story is going to go, right? We've uh, seen a bit of Jane Austen's sense of humor that she so brilliantly brings to her writing as well. And then we have this fantastic, gripping middle section, uh, which involves challenges, there's obstacles, there's scandal, romance, heartbreak, um, character growth, and also lots of romantic walks in the English countryside. So I think that's one of the key plot points in the book. Um, and then finally, we have that, uh, that great end as well. Uh, and spoiler alert here, if you have been living under a rock and you don't know what happens in Pride and Prejudice, um, we see things resolved in the end with Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy, who are the main characters, um, declaring their love for one another, getting married, and living happily ever after. So I'm thrilled to say I can now um, say that I've opened a preach talking about Pride and Prejudice, so I feel like I've ticked off something really key on my bucket list there, which is great. Um, so yeah, so the point of me sharing that is uh, just to say that every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And actually, it's the same when we look at God's story. Um, I'm not suggesting the Bible is like Pride and Prejudice, uh, but it is an incredible story which I want to unpack a little bit more today. So God's story starts in the first book of the Bible, which is called Genesis, where God creates the world and all the amazing creatures in it, um, and also creates us as humans. So I'm just going to read some sections from that first chapter of Genesis to set the scene of God's story. So it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. 
So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And so it was. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. God saw all he had made, and it was very good. I love uh, the use of the word team in these verses because I think it just conjures up such a beautiful picture of God's uh, abundance and the variety of life that he's made in creation. And I think we see that all around us still today, don't we? So God made the world, the land and the sea, and all the animals and plants, and then gave us, as humans, the command to rule over it, to protect it, to care for it, and to steward it. And it's such an amazing privilege that God has given us this command. You know, he's created this good world full of fish and oceans, mountains, rivers, trees, plants, flowers, bees, kittens personal favorite of mine, just wanted to mention that, Um, and so much more. He's created this incredible abundance, and then he's given us the command to take care of it. And I think it's really important for us to remember that actually this is the first biblical command that we're given. It's not actually an added extra, but it's an integral part of our faith and who we are as Christians. So that's the beginning of the story that we see in the Bible. And I think most of us probably know what happens next. Um, Actually, this good creation is about to change. We see Adam and Eve, who are the first humans, uh, make the decision to rebel against God, rejecting his plans and choosing to turn away from him. Sometimes we refer to this as the fall. And what we mean by that is it's when sin and brokenness came into the world because of that rejection of God's plans. In the first few chapters of Genesis, we see what life should be like with God, humanity, and creation in perfect harmony. But all that changes with the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And the result actually is broken relationships, not just between us and God, but also with each other and the whole of the natural world. So as many of you might know, um, I feel like I harp on about it quite a lot, I um, work for Tear Fund, which is a Christian charity. Um, And what Tear Fund does is we work to see an end to extreme poverty around the world. So we work in 50 countries. Um, And actually, Tear Fund was started by a group of Christians and churches who saw the brokenness and the need in the world, and they wanted to marry Christian compassion with practical action. Um, So Tearfund's been going for over 50 years now, Um, and what we um, have created as part of the work we do is something that we call a theology of poverty. And what we mean by that is that we believe that poverty is not God's plan, but it's actually caused by broken relationships and human behavior. And in this theology, uh, Tearfund talks about four broken relationships. And this is a framework that, for me personally, I remember when I first saw it, it was like a light bulb moment. It's really helped me to understand uh, God's story and the Bible more fully, and I just found it so helpful. Um, So I think there's a slide that's going to come up on the screen um, just to help kind of visualize this. Um, So those four broken relationships that the theology talks about are, number one, we have a broken relationship with God. We are following our own way and not God's way. 
The second is we have a broken relationship with self. You know, we experience feelings of shame and guilt, um, low self-worth, because we don't have our identities rooted in God. We also see we have broken relationships with others. Um, we're in conflict with those around us, and I think it's so clear to see that, isn't it? Maybe it's on a personal level, uh, but also globally and nationally. You know, we don't have to look far. We look at what's happening in Ukraine or in Gaza or, you know, Sudan. There's so many places around the world where we see that broken relationship with others. And then lastly, we have broken relationship with creation. We are damaging God's good world that he has given us to take care of. And as I said, we see evidence of these broken relationships all around us. Um, I'm just going to share a few examples to help illustrate this. Um, so in 2019, global hunger rose for the first time in well over a decade and actually has continued to rise year on year. And there are two primary reasons for this. Uh, the first is conflict, and the second is climate change. Broken relationships with creation and broken relationships with others. At the end of 2022, 108.4 million people worldwide were forcibly displaced as a result of conflict, persecution, and violence. These numbers are so big, I think it's quite hard for us even to get our head around what that looks like. But that is just, it's just one stat that shares the evidence of our broken relationships we have with one another. And actually at Tear Fund, we've been talking about climate change and uh, the brokenness of creation for decades because we see on a daily basis in the work that we do um, the devastating impact it is having on people, particularly the poorest and the most vulnerable around the world. God is incredibly clear that we must have a heart for those living in poverty. Yet climate change is set to push up to 130 million people into poverty over the next 10 years, unraveling so much good work that has been done to lift people out of poverty. And estimates say that climate change will lead to 200 million people uh, being forced into migration by 2050, which sounds maybe far away in the future, but actually it's, that's not, not that long. Last month, uh, Jim and a couple of other people from the church um, actually went on a trip to Kenya, and I think Jim spoke about this last week. Um, they were going out to uh, visit a church that we partner with in Kenya, um, and also we have a charity that the church works with called Sea Kenya Providing Eye Care, uh, so it was a trip to um, go and do some eye clinics out there. Um, but actually, Kenya is a place that is experiencing the impacts of climate change. Rains that were once predictable and reliable uh, no longer come, causing widespread droughts. And then when rains do eventually come, it often leads to uh, really heavy rains that cause flooding. And Jim actually shared uh, a short video with me from Edward Berea, who is the pastor of the church that we partner with in Kenya. So I just, um, to kind of help us illustrate uh, this, I'm just going to um, pop that up on the screen for us to watch for a second. This is a... Uh uh, farms of people but unfortunately completely covered by the floods and uh, we cannot be able to go the other side to be able to visit our people this is the extensive the damage of the current floods I mean as far as your eyes can see these were farms uh, covered with water that, that, that's the road it's unfortunate we cannot be able to cross over the other side the damage continues so we need much prayer and it's clear uh, we will have to uh, make sure that we do not 
forget our people during such great moments. We've got churches across their side and we are not able. So we terminate our journey here. Much prayers, please. So hopefully um, that just illustrates in a small way some of the impacts of these broken relationships. Our broken relationship with creation is having a devastating impact on both people and planet. We see from what Edward shared there, crops washed away, roads destroyed, people's incomes and livelihoods obliterated. Actually, the planet's average temperature is now around 1.2 degrees Celsius, above the pre-industrial levels of the late 1800s. And on the screen again, we've got some images that uh, kind of show some of the impacts of climate change. Just gonna share a little bit more as we look at those. Um, some of these are very close to home. So just in the last few weeks, we've had Storm Kieran hit the UK, spreading wide, um, widespread damage. And last year, there was flooding in Pakistan, covering an area of the country equivalent to the whole of the UK, which is just mind-blowing, so hard to get our head around. Actually, this year, we saw nearly 62,000 people die of heat-related deaths during uh, Europe's hottest summer on record. Uh, sorry, that was last year, not this year. Um, and this year, we've seen record-breaking wildfires across the Northern Hemisphere and beyond, killing hundreds. Several years of failed rains across uh, East Africa have meant drought has been ravaging places like Kenya, Somalia, Ethiopia, which has left more than 20 million people facing acute food insecurity, and thousands have died from malnutrition. And then on the flip side of that, we've seen in the video some images of the flooding, but um, in places like Somalia, actually, um, just this week I was reading an article about um, heavy rains, which has left 600,000 people displaced in Somalia. Climate change is causing people to lose their homes, their livelihoods, and ultimately their lives. And the reality is our world is at a tipping point. Because of human actions that are causing our planet to get warmer, we're heading towards irreversible and severe changes in our climate system, which means sea levels are rising, weather patterns are changing, we're seeing extinction of species and huge human loss. It's why, as a church, we've declared uh, a climate emergency, uh, and that wording is very specific, because actually this is a crisis, and we need to take urgent action. I'm aware um, this maybe feels very heavy after some of the celebrations that we've had this morning, and um, I just want to say I'm pleased I'm not telling you this because I want you to feel guilty, or I want you to feel fearful or anxious. Um, that is really not my heart in sharing any of this. Um, but I'm sharing it because actually it's the reality that we're facing, and it's really important that we talk about it. And it's really important that we take action as well. But if it does make you fearful or anxious, I just want to say uh, you are not alone in that. Um, you know, I recently spent a morning reading about the impacts of climate change um, and just felt an overwhelming sense of sorrow and anxiety and grief. Um, Jim actually sent me an article this week from the BBC that shared that search queries in English around climate anxiety in the, last, uh, sorry, in the first 10 months of 2023 are 27 times higher than the same period in 2017. So this is something that a lot of people, uh, when we look at these statistics and this reality, um, are facing. I, and I think it can be really hard not to feel anxious when we, we see this and when we read about it and we think about it. And when we see what we're doing to the planet, um, when we see what's happening with conflict and forced migration uh, and the impacts of climate change. 
But what I do want to say is that um, this is not where the story ends, okay? So we are, we are going to look uh, ahead in a minute um, and just want to say that there is hope. We serve a God of hope. And I'm going to unpack that a bit, bit later on. Um, but I actually wanted to just uh, take a moment to pause here and I felt that it was really right for us to pause and just let some of what I've shared there sink in. And I want to take a moment together just to spend some time lamenting the broken relationships and the damage we as humans are doing to creation and our global neighbors. In our church tradition, we don't necessarily spend much time um, thinking or practicing uh, lament corporately, um, but it's a deeply biblical practice. Uh, many of the Psalms, which is a songbook in the Bible, uh, include lament. Um, and what I mean by lament is it's to offer an honest, uncensored pain and heartache to God. It means we can take our deepest concerns and griefs to him, our anxiety, our emotions, all of it we can take to God. And actually, as we lament, we share in God's own lamenting of the brokenness in our world, the brokenness in creation. But when we draw near to God in this process of lament, we can actually know more of his love and his compassionate embrace, and we can encounter afresh God's restorative heart for the whole world. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pause for a moment now, and I'm actually going to invite um, my friend Brian up, um, who's going to share um, just a prayer of lament as we just reflect on some of what we've heard so far. So Brian. Just before we start uh, this section, if you would close your eyes and perhaps imagine uh, something in the natural world, maybe a, an animal or a, or a tree or a field that you love and you think about, um, and you know, consider that precious gift from the Lord, uh, and also call to mind the fact that these things are under, under threat, uh, as, as Lucy has explained. Creator God, we join you in our lament over the brokenness of creation. We lament over all the suffering in the world. We consider all the pain and fear being experienced in the world right now. We think of our neighbors near and far. We bring before you now all of our honest and our real emotions. We lament, O oh God. Renew our hope and our strength as we look to you, the God who cares and embraces us in our pain. Lord God, let your kingdom come. Mm -hmm. Let your will be done. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian, so much. And thank you, Church, for joining me in that moment. A little bit different from maybe what we normally do. But um, yeah, just thank you for embracing that chance to reflect and lament together. But as I said earlier, I do want to go back to God's story um, because we do serve a God of hope. So we've covered the beginning of the story. We've looked at God's good creation and we've spoken about the middle where we find ourselves now uh, facing the sobering impacts of broken relationships, particularly the devastating impacts of our broken relationship with creation. 
But I think the question we want to know is what happens in the end? Well, the good news is, church, we have a God who is in the business of restoration. We have a God who sees our brokenness, and his response is compassion and love. Actually, love to the extent what we've been singing about this morning, that he sent his son Jesus to take on the punishment of our sin, to take our place. And actually, through Jesus' victory on the cross, God is at work restoring those four broken relationships we spoke about earlier. In Luke 4, uh, which is a book in the New Testament of the Bible, um, Jesus quotes actually an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Isaiah. And uh, then he declares that Jesus himself is the one who fulfills it. This is what he says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Actually, those relationships that were broken when Adam and Eve rebelled, well, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has made a way for us to know a restored relationship with God. In Colossians 1, verse 19 to 20, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. He's talking about Jesus there. And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We see in this verse a reminder that through Jesus, God is working to reconcile all things to himself on heaven and in earth. Actually, God's gospel, his good news, is not just about personal salvation, but actually God is in the business of restoring all things, including creation. That is the gospel, that is the message we proclaim. So let's go back to that question, how does it all end? Well, in the last book of the Bible, uh, in Revelation, we read about a vision God has given to a man named John um, that tells us the answer. This is what we read in Revelation 21, verse 3 to 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Actually, God's story ends with Jesus returning to remove all evil from his good world, wiping away every tear and making all things new. God is in the business of restoration. And that's why when we put our trust in Jesus, we can know hope, even in the face of a world so full of brokenness. So as I come uh, to a close now, I just want to look at what does actually that mean for us practically? If we believe in Jesus today, what, what does that mean for us as Christians? Well, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that through Christ, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Actually, we're not passive onlookers in God's story. God is inviting us to join him in this ministry of reconciliation and restoration of all things, including creation. What an amazing invitation that we get to be part of this story that God is weaving. 
It's actually why, as a church, uh, we have an eco team um, made up of myself, Brian, who prayed for us a minute ago, uh, Kieran, Joe, and Elliot. Uh, I just want to pause for a minute, actually, to say what a legend these these guys are legends, basically. Um, they're such a joy to be on a team with, and um, yeah, they're just amazing. Um, and as a team, we are thinking about the ways that we can care for creation as a church uh, and how we can take action on climate change. Um, we're still on a journey and there's a lot more that we want to do, um, but I wanted to share some examples of the things that we have done already and, and just to give you a bit of an idea and uh, hopefully a bit of encouragement as well. So Jo, who is our amazing building manager, I'm sure she's somewhere uh, around, I can't see her, but um, uh, she has been working with the staff team to get recycling bins in the building, um, and also she's been working really hard to look at how we can install solar panels uh, on the building as well, um, so that's a really exciting project that we're looking at at the minute. Um, we've also hosted events with other, others in the church, like we've had uh, several clothes swaps to help us think about how do we... Um, consume things in a sustainable way and how can we make things last longer uh, and we've also done nature walks with uh, the amazing Elliot who's a professional gardener he's got so much knowledge uh, on creation and he's really helped us to uh, kind of celebrate and learn more about God's creation on those nature walks we've also been chatting with other churches locally to find out what they're doing to care for creation and think about how we can work together um, and we've been sharing ways to take action on social media and our church email, so that's always a great place to look if you want to find out more about how to get involved. And actually, just this week, uh, we were planting trees on our land to create a hedgerow for wildlife, and again, I think we've got some pictures of this, uh, which hopefully will come up on the screen. Um, there you go, you can see us hard at work. Um, you can probably tell from my outfit I had forgotten we were planting trees. I didn't come very prepared, whereas Joe and Elliot, you can see they were very much more organized and on it than I was. Um, but yeah, that's something else that we've been doing just last week, which is great. Um, these are small steps, but they are part of this ministry of reconciliation that we are called to as Christians. And actually, we would love for each member of Kings as a body and as a church um, to join us in this journey of thinking about how we can uh, join in this mission of restoration, taking action on climate change to protect creation and our global neighbors. And Jim uh, spoke about last week, actually, this really helpful phrase um, about starting local. So thinking about what can we do in our own lives, in our own towns, in our country. But also, we need to remember to think global. How do we call for justice to care for the poorest and to love our neighbor? Actually, there's so much we can do and so much that needs to be done. Um, and my heart is that the church will be at the forefront of this issue, not lagging behind, because actually it's a God issue. And the church is the most powerful agent of change in the world. When we join together as Christians, we can have a huge impact. So I want to say, if it's something that you want to get more involved in, and I hope it is, um, please do come chat to me. Uh, we'd love to share more ways that, um, as individuals and as a body, as a church, we can, we can do this. Um, or you can email the office, and uh, we can get in touch with you that way as well. So just to recap what we've looked at today as I come to a close. Um, in the beginning, God created a good world for us to care for. Have we find ourselves in the middle of the story where sin and brokenness is leading to things like conflict and climate change with devastating consequences? But God's story is one of restoration. And he is inviting us to be part of his restoration plan right here, right now. In how we choose to act and live our lives and how in the end, uh, and we know actually that in the end he will bring restoration in full by making all things new, what an amazing story to be a part of. 
So as I come to a close now, um, I want to share uh, just uh, a little bit of a practical moment that we can pray for this morning. Um, and actually, this week is the 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference. Uh, is going to be beginning in Dubai, slightly ironically. Um, <laughs> but let's not go into that. Uh, <laughs> um, and at this conference, uh, delegates from nearly every country across the world will be coming together to um, talk about how do we take action on climate change, because our world leaders recognize this is, a, this is one of the key issues of our time. Um, so what I want to do is just take some time this morning to pray for uh, the conference, to pray for the individuals, for the nations that are going to be there. Um, but again, I'm going to invite actually Kieran, who's part of our eco team, up to, uh, to do that. So over to you. Thanks, Lucy. Why don't we just take a moment to pray. If you're watching online, you can just join at this time with our prayers. Heavenly Father, we're aware that uh, from what we've heard this morning that you're a good God. And whilst we, we lament and we feel challenged by the situation in the world, we, we look to you, God of hope. We thank you, God. You haven't just left us on this earth, but you've, you've more than intervened. Jesus, we thank you that you came and walked among us, died for us, rose again. Thank you, you're changing lives day by day. And we look to you, God of hope, this morning. We particularly bring uh, this conference to you, the COP28 conference, Lord. We pray for world leaders gathering representing their nations. We pray for each one, for their fellow ministers and advisors. God, we ask for wisdom. We ask for soft hearts. We ask as they juggle complex situations, God, we pray that this summit would lead to change not for change's sake, but for the sake of the poor and broken on our earth. God, we pray for the millions of people that Lucy referred to, displaced, affected by drought, affected by flooding, those that are grieving, those that are mourning, <coughs> even amongst people we may know ourselves or as just a couple of weeks ago, Jim and the team out in Kenya with Edward. Lord, we bring these precious people to you. Father, help us to remember them in our prayers. God, we pray they may find hope in you. And Father, we pray for ourselves. We ask you, Heavenly Father, would you help us to make a difference, to trust you, to take small steps that would impact our own families, our own communities here, Hayward Heath and Burgess Hill, the villages around in mid-Sussex and in the UK. Lord, we look to you. 
God of love and mercy. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.